0: Welcome to Sneaker Dads, I'm John Ratner. Thanks to everyone who listened and shared last week's episode with the capped wonder. If you missed it, go back and have a listen as we discuss sneakers, fitted hats, and the close connection between the two communities. This is episode 18 of year two, and this week, Sneaker Dads welcomes Gusto the Ninja to the podcast. You know the name, the IG account, and all the great sneakers. Now you get to hear more about the man behind it all. So let's get into it. Chris, welcome. Hey, Amen. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing this. I have to start off where I always do and ask you, what's in the rotation? What have you been wearing on feet? You're across the world from me in Japan. I don't think that really matters too much in terms of weather. And you might be the type of guy who wears the same shoes all the time. What do you wear on feet usually?
1: I don't actually. What I wear in summer is pretty different to what I wear in winter. Okay mainly because I'm a, a shorts guy in summer and a, a pants guy in winter, obviously. And um, just uh, some of the shoes, certain shoes I like to wear with shorts versus certain shoes I like to wear with pants. At the moment, it's winter here. Um, but, uh, in rotation is some blazers, um, Air Max 97s there. That's an all year round shoe for me. Infrared 90s, um Presto's flying nits I don't really uh do dunks. I used to, but not recently. Uh a couple pair of Jordan ones here and there. And they just um usually I just uh try to break in whatever I'm gonna skate in next. So if I've got like some uh blazer chuckers or some Jordan ones that I plan on skating in, then I'll usually wear them for you know a month or so so when I'm ready to skate them they're all like soft and ready to go.
0: Nice. How many of those pairs are older? Let's say pre two thousand and ten, and how many of them are new? Newer.
1: It's funny because like I sell. You know, if you look at my, you know, my 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 site and Instagram, and the majority of the stuff I sell is a lot of older stuff. But personally, I don't wear too much older stuff. I mean, one of my footscapes is I think like two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, and I have to be, you know they're starting to separate. So I can't really like, if I know I'm gonna be walking a lot that day, I probably won't wear those just cause uh, it kind of stresses me out <laughs> knowing that they could go any other any day. And I've got a pair of um, Prestos that are I think, you know, from like the 2000s, which are ready to go. They're like a, um, I'd love to get them fixed. They're like a polka dot ID. I'm oh, not a polka dot, sorry, check it, check it, check it ID. But uh, yeah, they're about to separate, and cage is about to crack. But apart from that, I'd say yeah, most majority of my shoes are 2000 uh Supreme Blazers, which is 2006, and I've got some 94 Chicago ones that I wear. Uh, Apart from that, yeah, I'd say most of my other shoes are you know like within the last five, six, seven, eight years
0: all right cool well we'll hear a little bit more about maybe what you have in the stash and what you collect if you do i know some people aren't uh aren't collectors they have a smaller smaller sort of rotation and that's it and i don't know about you but we'll hear more about that but i want to go back take it back a little bit you mentioned skating Uh, i want to know about your origins in sneakers did it start with skating or was it something else And then um and then skate culture became a part of your life
1: Uh, I'd say the hoarding, like the collecting aspect started from skating, but I got into sneakers through basketball. So, and just, um, you know, I had an older brother, an older cousin, and my next door neighbor who was, you know, around the same age as my my older brother. And they were just, they had the shoes. So when like the Air 180s came out, you know, the originals, they had them when the Harachis came out they had them and uh, I remember going on a, a trip to the US with like a family trip to the US in uh, I guess it was I think 1999 or whatever, when like the, the fives dropped. So I remember like just like wanting the fives really bad and I think I ended up getting sevens. I got the Bordock sevens and then I ended up getting Carmine sixes but yeah, and just flights, air flights, just being obsessed with... All the shoes that uh, Jordan and Pippen and that were wearing back then was really what, yeah, even like Air Pegasus and stuff like that, stuff that was, uh, even stuff you saw in the Olympics, that was where I was, what really got me into like sneakers. And then uh, getting into skating later was when like, you know, obviously you go through shoes a lot quicker when you skate than you do you know, playing basketball at night, you can have a pair of shoes and they can look fresh for a long time, whereas, like, skating, they get trashed so quickly. So the whole idea of having, like, a pair that you skated in and a pair that you didn't skate in, so you had a pair that still looked fresh, and then that just escalates where you're just, like, well, I don't want to skate in these either. I want to keep these fresh. And then you have, like, before you know it, you know, I remember having, like, 20 or 30 pairs of skate shoes when I was having, like, 14 or 15 or something like that which I mean now like to have 20 pairs of shoes is nothing it's that's probably like a very small collection but back then it was you know all my friends at school like they had maybe one or two pairs that they wore for the entire year and I was like the only kid that would have like multiple pairs and I guess the reason for having like a lot of the pairs at that a young age was that I was just um surrounded by a lot of other skaters that were like sponsored and would just get free shoes and they would wear them once or twice and then just sell them really cheap so I was buying like a lot of like cool skate shoes for you know peanuts and just uh so yeah that's why I had a big collection at a little age (laughs) so the sort of passion maybe
0: started with the basketball but as you got into skating the opportunity was there
1: I mean when I was yeah so when I was like you know, really into, like, starting to shoes I was a really young age, and I was, like, eight, seven, eight years old, whatever, but, you know, the only way I could get them was if my parents bought them, and that was, you know, usually, like, one pair a year. That. So I remember my first ever pair of Nikes were a pair of Pegasus, they were, like, all white with, like, a little bit of uh purple and black. I think the second pair of shoes I had after that were a pair of Flights, which were, like, all black with a white swoosh and, like, a bit of uh, fluoro pink, like the flight symbol on the tongue, like a triangle, um, like the air window was a triangle. Yep. And yep. I think the Border 7s came after that. And then the Carmine 6s, I'm pretty sure they were like, yeah, the first few pairs of Nikes I had in the, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s.
0: Do you remember what some of the skate shoes you were, you were in back then were?
1: um it depends what era but i remember i'd say um i remember dc when dc just started i was like really into dc shoes um like the Rudy johnsons and uh they were like hard to get as well in australia at the time and then a bit um a bit after that like uh, it was kind of cool there was like an area where it was like phase was like cool skating shoes that weren't skate brands so it was like the uh converse uh one stars and the the shelters the superstars like technically they weren't like skate shoes but a lot of skaters wore them and um that was like a heavy influence for me so a lot of um even though i don't wear converse or shelters anymore i used to wear like a lot of one stars and uh superstars back in the day and then there was action shoes which is um cream campbell's company uh, a lot of uh, like the Guy issue and uh and then yeah, I think and then I started just I think skating like a lot of Nike Nike shoes that weren't technically skate shoes, but uh just was like I don't know, cool to skate in Nikes. Yeah, didn't really wear too many um like Etnies or Americas or anything like that. It was if it, for skate brands it was mostly uh action and DC.
0: Do you remember when Nike sk- entered the skating market? Was that something? I remember when picked? they
1: um entered the market. So I remember like uh Bam Majora was part of the team. I think maybe Pat Genita was wearing some of the shoes. And but I don't think I don't know if they were available in Australia or, or at the time or not, but I just remember seeing like them I in mean, some of the early skate videos, but just uh they weren't very appealing at all.
0: Right. I want to talk later about you know hunting for shoes and finding them in in foreign markets did you ever do that as a kid though did you ever have to or you, was everything sourced of, sort of locally
1: uh, well I mean I didn't really hunt shoes as a kid just uh, I mean it depends what age you're talking about but usually like through my teens it was like getting shoes at skate shops or through friends that you know were like sponsored skaters or not or sometimes uh, back in the day what you could do is if you had brand new products so say for example i had like a, a pair of globes my friend wrote for globe and they were brand new in the box you could take them to the skateboard shop and just exchange it for something of like similar value so that was a that was a sign we used to do a lot back in the day was um even when like a lot of the pros came to australia for like tours would buy like product of like their skateboards, you know, brand new decks and wheels, even if it wasn't stuff that you would ride and you would just take it to the skate shop and be like, you know, can I change this for something else? And uh, so, yeah, basically sneakers in my teens came from, uh, like my early teens came from friends or skate shops. So, yeah, there wasn't really any hunting at that point.
0: Right. A lot of people don't like labels, but you gave me a sneak peek at your rotation. You sent me a picture yeah. and you also told me a little bit about what's in your rotation. It sounds mostly Nike. Do you call yourself or is it fair to at least put you in that category of a Nike I'm guy? Nike.
1: I'm a I'm a heavy, heavy Nike head. I don't own any shoes that aren't Nike. I have two pairs of um shelters just because um a lot of the skaters in the uh, early videos used to wear those. And it was like, a, it was a colorway that was just, it was so obtainable, um so hard for me to get as a, you know, at, at that time. It was like a, you know how like the shelters have like the little toe cap on the on the front of the toe? Sure. This pair was like, uh, was like a wide base with uh, the navy toe and the navy stripes. And it was just a shoe that like a lot of the skaters, like Drake Jones and Joey Bass, they used to always wear them in the videos and just, like my it was my grail at the time, which is kind of funny because it's not a Nike shoe. And then when I came to Japan, I found them and I bought them, even though they weren't the right size. And I think like that's pretty much like the only non-Nike shoe that I own. But yeah, I'm a I'm definitely a Nike head. The last time I wore that um, I wore those. There was the Adidas Away Days Premier that came out. I don't know. That was maybe three four years ago. And I went to the premiere, and I wore those shoes for the premiere. But apart from that, I don't think I've worn—I probably haven't worn a shoe that's not Nike in ten plus years.
0: So, do you remember? Was there something specific? Was there a shift, or was it just you just developed a love for it because you were skating in all these different brands? What? Well,
1: what when do you think I was happened? skating in all those different brands, it was like um, there wasn't much—just like there was, Nike wasn't putting out much to skate in. At that time, I mean, they started with the SBs in 2002, but I'm talking before that era. So there wasn't much options. But once, you know, once, like, there was more options to skate in night shoes, then there was no need to skate in non-night shoes. So that's probably what's, where the switch changed from just wearing only Nike.
0: So But it was the skate shoes that did I it mean, for
1: you. Yeah, I mean, well, I was still... I went through a phase where I was skating in just, um, I mean, when I came to Japan, there was like, you could find so many good deals on used shoes, you know, stuff that was just, it was hard to find, you know, trying to find like a pair of Jordan threes or fours in Australia, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay, you know, 200 bucks or something. When I came to Japan, I'd see like gently used pairs, for you know, like, you know, 50, 60 bucks or whatever. And I was just skate in those. So was those. It, it was a phase where I was just skating in Jordan 3s and Jordan 4s and Air Revolution mids and just all these, like, chunky shoes. And then once a friend just gave me a pair of Vans and I was just like, I'll just try them out. And I was like, I realised how much easier they are to skate in than the chunky shoes that I've been skating in. And then from there I started, I think I just started getting, like, uh, Blazer SBs and stuff like that. Janoski slip-ons, and then just like um, visits to the employee store. Go, go to the employee store and just I'd stock up on like uh, SBs, but not the dunks. So just be like, yeah, like Janoski slip-ons or Blazer chuckers or Blazer mids, stuff like that. In Japan? In Japan, yeah.
0: When did you move to Japan?
1: I got here at the end of 2004. Yeah. What time. do
0: you remember about that time? You, you remember, you recalled what the sneakers you were wearing or, or skating in I were. What do, else do you remember?
1: I remember when I came to Japan, I was wearing cool grey 4s. <laughs> I think I was like, yeah, the, the 2004 retro. So I remember that I was wearing those on my, on my way here. And I did, I arrived in Japan with no skate shoes. So I remember when uh, the first day I went for a skate, I had to like, gone fine sign skate skating and i think i bought some uh is it the eqs or the urls one of those nike shoes do you remember like the 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 silver box era one of the first yeah they're like the eq or the url i forget which one it is but i skated i bought one of those when i got here and i skated those and uh they were not comfortable (laughs) at (laughs) all
0: And was skating big in Japan then? I I, I have no idea.
1: Uh, yeah, it was uh, I'd say it was more underground. It's not like you know like now. I mean like the last three years, Tampa AM's been won by Japanese kids. You know the Olympics was won by Yuto. You know what I mean? So skateboarding in Japan now is massive, but it was relatively yeah much smaller scene back in two thousand five.
0: And what about the sneaker scene in general then it, it was
1: booming sneaker right Massive. sneaker scene yeah. is yeah, like uh japan's way ahead, so like i mean like like shops like fly club and stuff like that like they exist because of you know the shops in in japan so it was i mean I remember one shoe that I really wanted when I'm in Australia was the um Stusi Hirachi, which recently got retroed. It was like the, um, the Desert Oak. And I wanted that shoe so bad that I just didn't know how to get it. And I ended up doing a trade with um, a kid in Hong Kong. And I paid a lot for it. I remember I gave him like, uh, I think I gave him HTM Air Force Ones and Heineken Dunks, which at the time, you know, you know those shoes were both gone for, you know, like maybe six 700 bucks each in return for his uh stussy Hirachis. And then I remember coming to Japan and going to some of the shops. And one of the famous shops that most people know of, Skit, in uh, Kichijoji. I remember going there and just seeing, like, four pairs of stussy, stussy Hirachis just on the rack. And I was just like... <laughs> for, like, you know, like, 100... You know, some used pairs for, like, 180 bucks or whatever. I'm just like... I should have just waited till I came here to get the stussy Hirachis. You know what I mean?
0: Did you know that it was going to be like that
1: i you got there. didn't know what the prices or how accessible it was going to be but i had seen photos i remember going on nike talk and some of the people that you know visited japan in like i guess 2003 2004 they would post pictures of like some of the sneaker shops and uh sneaker freaker also did a um one of the one of their first magazines they did a I don't know if it was like issue one, issue two, issue three, I can't remember, but they did a little segment on Japan. And so I saw like um a lot of pictures of the shops online. So I knew that the shops were crazy and that was that was you know the reason that, why I wanted to visit so bad. But um yeah, I didn't realize how easy or how like uh, how what the prices were. I mean, like some of the, the stuff that was really hype in Japan was crazy expensive and then some of the stuff that you know wasn't so sought after which i guess to them they didn't see it as a big deal it was cheap so stuff like you know the atmos M X one safaris and diatex stussy harachis eighty twenty one Hirachi harachi burst stuff like that which was just so hard to find outside of japan you know it was cheap in japan and also back then, um, you, know, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't Instagram or, you know, StockX or anything like that. So it was, it was hard for Japanese people to gauge what that stuff was worth outside of Japan. So they would price it on what they have to price it to get it sold in Japan. So, that, you know, if they, if they have a, say, for example, a Air Max 1 Vitek and they price it at $600 in their shop, it's not going to sell because the people that are visiting visiting the shop aren't interested in that shoe enough to pay $600. So they would price it at a price that would sell, you know. So maybe a Japanese person might pay $300 for that shoe, even if someone in America is willing to pay $600. So they price it at $300 because if they, if they didn't price it $300, it'd just sit there forever. But, you know, as the years got on and they started to realise that stuff's, you know, more sought after overseas and that's when the prices started to change but yeah when I first got here a lot of stuff that was really sought after overseas was priced relatively cheap but there again it was, it was, it was the opposite on some things and be some things like uh, I remember like html Force Ones like when that came out that was really expensive in Japan and you know not as expensive in say the US or Australia
0: right i want to talk more about the japanese market and sort of the changes because you talked about you know sort of the global markets and right. and the trends there but taking it back to your arrival in japan was there sort of a a moment where you said wait a sec there's an opportunity here or did that come later
1: that came later so um i was just buying shoes for myself and i was just hooking up homies in australia so I would go out and I'd check out the shops and see what I see. And then I kind of report back to my friends like, Hey, I saw this and this, does anyone need it? You know what I mean? Cause like if I was just going to buy everything, you know, like I, when I first got here and I lived in a really tiny apartment, tiny, and, and then a lot of the shoes that I saw that I like, like it might not be my size. or I might already own them. You know what I mean? But I just, I feel like, man, these are such good deals. It feels like, such a shame to pass them up so I would try and like hook up friends you know all my homies in Australia at the time and um so some dudes would be like yeah man like can you pick them up for me and I just go back to the shop next week or whatever and nine times out of ten the shoes would still be there and I'd just pick them up and send them to my friends but uh, every now and then I would buy like I would buy something for myself and then just wear it a few times and go yeah like, eh, I'm not really feeling these and and I just sell them and at the time, I wasn't trying to make money. I was just trying to get my money back. And I'd, I'd just put up, like, say, for example, like a pair of City attack dunks. I'd buy them. and I was like, eh, these, these aren't really me. And then I'd put them off for sale just trying to get my money back and they'd sell in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? And I was thinking, like, well, if they're selling this quick at the price I paid, maybe I could chuck a little bit extra on the top and instead of selling in 10 minutes, they might sell in 30 minutes, but make a little bit extra. And they just kind yeah. of escalate from there.
0: Absolutely. Do you remember where you were getting the sneakers back then? Versus, well, we could talk about now later, but where you were going to find them? Do you remember?
1: Back then, Kichijoji and Ogikaball were the two, uh, and Harajuku, I guess, were the two were the main spots. Kichijoji had Skip, which is still there to this day, but they've moved into a bigger space, but they're still there. Uh, then was uh, LA Avenue, which was there. Then LA Avenue ended up moving to Harajuku. And then that kind of fizzled out. And then a couple of dudes started Worm in um, Harajuku. But uh, back in the day, it was LA Avenue and Skit and PX Megastore, which were like the three uh, main spots in uh, Chichijoji. I'd always check those out. Actually, Weno was also really good back in the day. There was a few good spots in Weno. And, uh, and Ogi Ogikubo also had... Um, another uh px store they had one store which was just dedicated to sneakers and then down the street they had like a three or about a three three or four story floor uh shop just full of like bape and supreme and all clothing so um that was a good era it was fun going to those spots you get so excited you kind of like you get off at the station and even though it was like a you know like say like a 2 3 minute walk you would just we kind of like power power walk speed walks you, you couldn't wait to get into the shop and see what was there
0: what's it like now
1: uh, it's totally different now um i yeah, there's, there's no shops that i get ex- excited about because any shop pretty much any shop that sells sneakers has their inventory online so you can just see what they have online i mean 9 times out of 10 if i'm buying a pair of shoes from a store I've usually seen it on their site and like got it put aside. Then I just go check it out and pick it up. So yeah, I mean, but now back then there might have been a a grail that you're looking for in Osaka, and you wouldn't know unless you went to Osaka. So I mean, there's benefits now. There might be something that you're looking for that's not in Tokyo and you can find it, whereas back then, you know, if if you couldn't go to the shop you couldn't obtain the shoe you know what I mean so there's pros and cons but it was definitely more exciting back in the day
0: but there's still tons and tons of sneakers in Japan I know lots of people who are in the same business as you or similar businesses are getting their sneakers mostly from Japan vintage pairs so can you talk a little bit about the sneaker culture in Japan and why they're all there
1: uh like I think the reason why a lot of older shoes uh in Japan is because Japan was ahead of the game so in um you know a lot of the shoes that came out in like the early 2000s a lot of Japanese people were probably I don't know how to explain it but like they saw more to the shoe than say what what we saw I guess so that's why um and then a lot of also, I know it's just don't know if it's, just, uh, it's not just with sneakers, but culture in Japan, a lot of people buy stuff and without using it, whether it's just sneakers or toys or records or whatnot. But a lot of people buy something with the intentions of, of never using it. Like they feel like, oh, it, it's a waste. They're so, they're so nice, brand new on the box. I, just, I never want to never use it. And then that's why, like 10 years, 15, 20 years later, brand new pairs still exist. So, I mean, now I think uh, as of, you know, like maybe 10 years ago or not, like people in the US like realised, hey, if I never wear this shoe in 10 years' time, it might be worth more and they keep it brand new in the box, kind of like as an investment. I don't think Japanese people were doing it like that. They weren't thinking like, hey, if I keep this brand new, they'll be worth something sometime. I think a lot of Japanese people were just keeping them brand new in the box just because they wanted to have they wanted to have them in perfect mint condition i mean you see a lot of um air max 95s which is a massive shoe in japan and you see so many shoes like so many pairs still brand new and this they just e- exploded like the soles of the soles are um you know like crumbled cookies and the air units exploded and whatnot and the uppers are brand new in the box. So, like, they've kept this shoe brand new for, you know, 20-plus years, never had the chance to wear it. And obviously it's not like they bought that shoe as, a, as an investment because the 95s were really expensive back in the day in Japan. And then once the sole's gone to dust, I mean, people just throw them out.
0: Yeah. Do you know some collectors or do you still come across maybe people that aren't your friends or people you don't know just come off these kind of gems of collections where there's stacks of unworn or are those days few and far between now?
1: Um, this, I mean, there's people like that are still out there. I mean, most of the people that, you know, are sitting on like a lot of oldish shoes that are brand new or whatnot. I mean, most of them are in like their, their 50s or 60s. You know what I mean, because... Um... Say so a lot of people that were buying you know Jordans in the nineties and whatnot they were probably in you know their twenties or thirties or forties at the time, and then you add on twenty years to the age now, you know what I mean so um yeah, I guess yeah, a lot of people that are, i mean even when like I'll go to a sneaker shop and I'll see like they just bought it bought out like a big collection of someone and I can see it's like a lot of like size eight shoes or size seven and a half shoes, you know what I mean? From like, you know, Jordan's from like the nineties or mid nineties or whatnot. And I'll just be like I can just tell like this collection came from like some dude in his like fifties or sixties. And I just asked and they're like, Yep, you're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow,
0: oh, awesome. And I imagine sometimes people come to you like that, do
1: do do they? Uh, um every now and then it's nice when that does happen, but it's usually more so through through a shop. Yeah. yeah.
0: I wanted to know what trends you're seeing in the Japanese market. I don't know how much you're w- looking at what people are wearing on the street and things like that. You know, everyone in the sneaker community looks to Japan or, or if they can. And I know, you know, we're living in a different world now. The, everything's global and, and trends are everywhere. But what are, you, what are you seeing there in terms of trends, in terms of maybe what's popular or in the vintage market?
1: Yeah, I wish I could answer that better. But unfortunately, <laughs> I... um. I'm, I work from home, so I'm not out that much. I don't participate in any of those sneaker lineups, and a lot of those lineups um, they do a, a dress code to um, to try and keep. You know, say for example, if they've only got like 30 pairs of shoes to sell that day, they don't want 3,000 people showing up, so they'll usually be like, it's like if, for example, at or something will be like, you have to wear and air max one atmos safari or something like that something that they've like dropped in the last few years and if you don't wear that shoe you can't participate in the lineup so i don't really go to lineups and when i do i've seen you know it's usually a dress code and then usually on the weekends when i'm out and about i'm i'm out skating so i'm in skate shoes around like my skate friends so i don't really pay too much attention to what's trending but at the moment you see a lot of um dunks on people's feet i guess that's just to um due to a lot of the pairs have been retroed and a lot more obtainable even the ones that are like seller aren't really reselling for much more than retail so uh, yeah you see a lot of um college colored dunks and whatnot on people's feet at the moment
0: right before i forget i have to ask where your name came from your instagram name Um, and your business name
1: Alrighty, so um do you know the movie CB4? Oh
0: yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, the Lucas. I was obsessed with I just went through a phase with my friends where we were watching that movie a lot. And I I remember there was a skate con contest and I had no intentions of going in and I actually missed my um uh, what do you call it when like you've got like the like the under fifteens, over fifteens, sponsored, unsponsored, whatever, like
0: like your cohort or whatever, your group or
1: yeah, yeah I whatever don't. Group, yeah. criteria, whatever it was. I actually missed mine. And then at the last division. second, I just in my division. I just like put my name as Gusto. And I went I think I went in the sponsored division, even though I wasn't sponsored, just because it was the last division of the day. And I just I don't know what made me do it, but I just did it. And then the first person to skate, like, was called up was Gusto. And, you know, back then, like, the skate team was a bit small. So pretty much everyone knew who everyone was. So when, like, the MC announced, like, Gusto, people were just, like, who's Gusto? And then it was me. And then, like, all my friends were kind of, like, laughing that I'd entered under Gusto. And I ended up, like, um, for some reason just doing, like, a flawless line and winning the competition. So I guess some of my friends started calling me Gusto after that. And then I remember I um, I had the Supreme dunks in 2002, and I had to make an eBay ID. And I was really obsessed with uh, the record label Ninja Tune. I don't know if you're familiar with Ninja mm-hmm. Tune. It's like uh, yeah. DJ Food and Cold Cut. It's like an English label. Um, I was really really into that record label. I was collect. It's very similar to like Mo no Wax. Yep. And uh one of my friends' dad who used eBay at the time was like helping me set up eBay eBay and he's like, What what do you want for your uh ID? And I was already going by Gusto on the sneaker forums and I just seriously, I gave it no thought. I was just like uh, Gusto the Ninja because I was, you know, going by Gusto on the forums and I was really into ninja tunes, so I just did like Gusto the Ninja and he's like, all right, done. And he just made made my eBay ID for me. This is 2002. You know, when you're making that stuff, you don't know, thinking like, oh, this is going to be something that I'm going to be using for the next 10, 20 years. And then, yeah, then I end up starting like using that eBay account and then just continued using it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I was going to ask when things sort of started to pick up, but it, sound like, it sounds like it was sort of just an evolution, right? You were just, selling to your friends and then maybe posting. A it wasn't even, pairs. Yeah,
1: it wasn't even really selling to my friends. Right. I was just hooking, uh, hooking them up. Them up. Just, yeah. just, just like um I wanted to go out and check the sneaker shops as a hobby. Yeah. But it's no really fun if you just if you don't buy anything. And if you're just buying everything, you know, for yourself, then you're gonna run out of money and you're gonna run out of space. So I feel like I felt like going to the sneaker shops and buying stuff for my friends kind of like helped me uh what's the word like uh i don't know like i could enjoy the the fun of going out and shopping without like burning my wallet you know what i mean
0: but at the same time you're getting better at it finding deals yeah. and learning right
1: right so yeah and then um and then yeah then i mean i was teaching english when i first came here that's what like i think a lot of the people do when they come here just being like an English teacher. And then I was like selling, um, I'd start selling like a pair here and there on the side, just like maybe a couple of pairs on like the Sneaker Freaker forum back then. And then it just got to the point where like one, one or two pairs a week escalated to, you know, like five, 10 pairs a week. And then it just got to the point where I just started doing it more and more to the point where I didn't have to do, didn't have to teach anymore and I started selling sneakers.
0: So that was still on eBay. That was before the Instagram days. Well before. Instagram, I mean, that was right?
1: before Instagram days. But uh, I was using eBay, and I remember using uh, IS, ISS. Was it ISS the uh, yeah the selling market on there I was very heavy on there. Like the AIM back when like people like chatted through AOL <laughs> AOL Messenger. And then I started my own blogspot, which is the domain still up now. It's like custom uh, ninja blogspot.com or something like that and I used to just um post shoes on there most very uh running orientated it's a lot of harachis and a lot of MX. and I used to get a lot of dudes from Europe hitting me up and that's where like uh, a lot of a lot of my stuff went and um yeah it was mostly back then it was I used to sell like mostly shoes that I liked you know what I mean Whereas now I've broadened my horizons and kind of have to sell what's what's popular.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you that exact thing because I'm looking at my closet and I've been trying to clear out a little bit. But I look at a I look at I have still three or four we won't say how many pairs of O nine Shadow Ones I have, right. and I got them all from you. I'm pretty sure. And that's what amazed me is how many you had and like you you would always post. 09 shadows and i wouldn't find them anywhere else so i wonder if you still or maybe you know i probably bought them from you eight nine years ago who who knows um but when was was there a point where you were buying shoes or do you still buy shoes that you like or do you have to focus on what sells and where the profit is
1: well i mean when i first started i mean because Back then, I feel like it's it's much easier to resell now because all you have to do is go on. If you don't, if you don't have knowledge on a shoe, you go on Go to stockx and you search it and punch in the skew or whatever, and you can see what it's selling for, what it has sold for within like a minute. You know what I mean? It doesn't take long to work out what the value of the shoe is. But when I started selling, you know, shoes earlier, you have to have the knowledge. You have to know, like, if you saw like say a Supreme Dunk High used with the box but without the extra laces you kind of have to have an idea of all right this is forty thousand yen in the store i can probably get 550 us on iss all right it's worth picking up you know you had to have the knowledge so and it was easier to have knowledge on shoes that you like because you usually were looking searching those shoes anyway so you had an idea where say for example If I saw, like, say, a Kobe or, you know, a LeBron something that's just I have no interest in, I'd have no idea what it's worth and I have no way to quickly gauge what it's worth. I mean, I could go on eBay and, like, maybe there'd be a completed listing, but if there wasn't, it was very hard to gauge what I'd be able to sell it for. So that's why, you know, when I first started doing it, it was usually shoes that I liked because that's where my knowledge was. That's I knew, like, all right. This is this price, and I can probably get this much for it. I'll make this much. It's worth picking up. Whereas now, it's a lot easier to tell. You know, you can pick up a shoe that you have no knowledge about and do some research online in a couple of minutes and know whether it's worth picking up or not.
0: You talked about selling Air Max's, Runners, Hirachis to the European mm-hmm. market. Was there a point where it shifted or expanded to different markets? Or yeah, more I remember too... I a good example
1: was, I remember one shoe that I used to frequently find um and sell a lot was the Air Max One Animal. It was the first one that came out, I think, like 2006 or seven. You know, so I got like the Zebra and all the different animal prints on it. Very loud shoe. Those did not do well when they came out. They ended up at Outlet's. And then maybe a year or two later, like a lot of people in Europe started like looking for that shoe. And I remember like posting them on like all the forums at the time in ISS, and even like um on like the ISS forums, people would like there would always be like some German dude or whatnot who would like you know like the what did you wear today's threads, and they would just get laughed at when they wore those like what you know what are those kind of thing like that shoe is hideous kind of thing the people in Europe were the only people that were like down for that shoe. And then like Kanye wore them and within like a year or two, like the price just skyrocketed. Like I remember that being like a hidden like twelve, thirteen hundred dollars $1,300 brand new in the box. And they got, they got hard, they were hard to find brand new because a lot of people just wore them or, you know, didn't, you know, when a shoe hits the outlets, people don't really take care of them. You know what I mean? So they were harder to find brand new. But that was an... A, an example, I mean, I remember, like, some people that were just, you know, people, like, some American dudes would laugh at that shoe. And then two years later, when it was, like, all of a sudden hype, they were, like, trying to find it.
0: Yeah. Are there any other examples of that that maybe weren't hype from the beginning, slept on, or people didn't like? Or maybe there was a, some a shoe that was just easy to get your hands on
1: mm. in Japan
0: that people couldn't get that was that turned out to be pretty good for you?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, back in the day, I mean, people that have been like following me for a, a long time, probably know that like one of the shoes I used to sell a lot was the, uh, the Vitex and the Safaris. So like the Air Max ones from 2003 they used. To, I mean, they're really hard to find now, like finally, after all these years, they've become hard to find. But back then there just seemed to be an endless supply of those in Japan. And, you know, outside of Japan, they were really hard to find. So uh, also like the, the Curry Air Max 1, before I got retro, the 2003 Curry, that was also a shoe that kind of like was sought after. And the uh, Urawa Air Max 1, another shoe that was, uh, I, remember, I mean, that came out, probably went to the outlets and no one cared about it. And then a few years later, they got really sought after and uh, really hard to find, but you can still find them in Japan. They're just some of, them, some of the models that, you know, that I can, off the top of my head, that come to mind.
0: Yeah. Do you have any fond memories of sort of hunting or coming upon sort of things you didn't, you know, I hear stories about people digging in back rooms and finding things, or or maybe someone gives you a call and say, I found this collection. Can you come check it out? Has that happened to you over the years, I imagine?
1: That's happened. It's... um. It's hard, you know, it's hard to think of all the times when, when you're put on the spot. I do remember one time going to um, LA Avenue when they were still in uh, Kichijoji and they had bought out someone's collection and it was, I think, 3,000 pairs and every shoe was size 8. And they had to close the store because they couldn't. you couldn't walk in the store with all the stock in the store, but they let me in and I kind of got, I had first dibs on uh, everything. And this collector had like a lot of rare stuff. It was just, it was all size eight. But it was kind of cool to um, just get first dibs on everything then. It's
0: usually stores, right?
1: Yeah, it's usually, I mean, usually through a store. I mean, every now and then you make a good connection with someone and they'll kind of like, uh, you know, give let you know about oh, this, this and that but uh i mean there's been plenty of good finds over the years but there hasn't been too many times where it's been like a massive collection
0: i imagine things have changed in the community in japan where you are just like it has in other parts of the world in terms of the community and maybe not being as tight-knit is it are people you know hooking each other up you know you're talking about a store that you got first dibs they knew you you knew them they trusted you probably is there still a lot of that going on like it like it used to, maybe?
1: I'd say so. I mean, I, I've still got like a lot of shops that uh look out for me. So they kinda know the stuff that I'm into and uh sometimes when it pops into the store they kinda just drop me a message to see if I'm interested before they, they pop uh put up for sale or whatnot. But um mm, well it's a bit different, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and I know you're not in lines, but you get the feeling that the community is is you know. Like it is in North America? Not not all negative. I don't want to say that. But you know, with the popularity of global reselling platforms, StockX and things like that, is that a bigger part of it in Japan as well? People reselling, uh, yeah. flipping things?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of I mean, a lot of people that just line up and um you know, people will line up and buy a shoe, not even knowing if it has resale potential or not. You see, um, every now and then there's you know a shoe that kind of flops. I wouldn't w- want to say the word flop, but say, for example, the uh Air Max 97 Undefeated, which is a shoe that I love and I wear my pair all the time. But you know, people were lining up for those, and a year later, they're still on the, on the shelf. You so, sense any of
0: that in the vintage market too competition, or has that always been there?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's everyone's you know looking for i mean you don't kind of line up for vintage stuff you know you've got to yeah. you gotta either like find some random shops or or search it online
0: yeah now i never want people to give me their secret sauce or tell me tell me the secrets behind their business but are in terms of your business i want to ask about your personal connection uh, collection next but are you the type to stash things away and and wait for them to sort of go up in value or are you more of a quick, quick mover in terms of your inventory or is it some of both?
1: It's a bit of both. So for example, sometimes you have a shoe and you're like, man, it's just too rare to let go for, for cheap. I feel like maybe like uh, used shoes. I just want to get rid of, get rid of them quickly. So I usually price used stuff that, you know, I price my used stuff so that it'll sell. Certain shoes that are dead stock, you know, I'm in no rush, like say for like example, like a Supreme Dunk or whatever. I know that if I put like, say a, a Supreme Dunk high up at $4,000, it's probably not going to sell that day, but it'll eventually sell. And there's no need to put that shoe up for a steal because it's not like I'm going to find another pair the next day. You know what I mean? So it really depends on the shoe. It depends on, also it depends on the material issues. Um, a shoe that is more prone to discolour, I'm probably not wanting to sit on that shoe for too long. I feel like uh, a lot of the Nike shoes recently seem to, uh, they don't seem to hold up as well as the older ones. I don't know if it's like, if they're using cheaper materials, but the midsoles on, on like some, like some of the dunks from like 2017 or whatever, 2018, they already start to yellow after like two, three years. Whereas you know, the older dunks, you see dunks from, like, 2000, 2001, 2002, and the midsoles are still pristine. Obviously, it depends on how you store them, but, I mean, it was, I think it'd be pretty, it's pretty unheard of to see, like, say, for example, a dunk from 2001 to yellow within two, three years. Even, like, some of, like, the, the materials on the Jordans, like the recent Jordans like the tabs on like the Jordan 4s, whatnot that will start, the gray part will start to yellow, but you can see it, you can find a pair from 99. I mean, the midsole is dust on the 99, but you can see there's like no dis- discoloration on the, on the upper. Yep. So, um, yeah, so, some shoes I don't mind sitting on and some shoes I just, I, I go for the quick flip. It just depends on the shoe. And uh, also depends on, I might be um, like overstocked, you know what I mean? I might be like, man, I'm sitting on too much stuff at the moment. So, I just want to move some stuff. The currency can play pay, uh, pay a partner play a partner as well. If the uh, the currency is good. You may, might be like the currency exchange. more may might, might as well just flip now while the currency exchange is good. So it's a few factors. But I am sitting on there's there's a few pairs of things that I'm sitting on that I haven't posted
0: yeah i'm sure uh but I, I wanted to know about that sort of strategy and you do have newer pairs that kind of creep into the mix right but it's still mostly i have, older.
1: Pairs, but, um, I have new pairs but a lot of shoes that are, um, are new i've actually sold a lot of stuff in japan so they don't really make it on my, my side or on my instagram so there are a lot of things that i, I sell that are more recent but just um sometimes it, like the SBS that come out, they're usually worth a bit more in Japan than they are overseas. And then I feel like maybe 10 years down the track or five years down the track, it changes. And then they're worth more overseas than they are in Japan. But usually like when a shoe comes out, like um, say like a uh, F- the FTC dunk or whatever that came out a-, a few months back, whatever, like seems to be going for more in Japan that is gone overseas, then I'd sell it in Japan.
0: Okay. You gave us a little bit of uh, insight into what you're wearing. I wanted to know if you could give us some uh, tips or in depth on what you have in the stash. Do you have a big collection? Do you have a small collection?
1: No, I've just moved house recently. So I, um, I cut down a bit also. Um, I just, I have less chance to wear my sneakers because I'm in, in home a lot more and when I'm out I'm usually skating so I'm in skate shoes a lot more um usually have around maybe like a 20 30 pair rotation but it's mostly um yeah flyknits and prestos and air maxes and blazers uh, a couple of pairs of jordans um I don't really have too much hype stuff. I'd say like one of the few hype shoes I have. I have the uh, Off-White Prestos, the first one's the 10. That's probably like one of the few hype type sh- shoes I wear, but uh, mostly it's kind of like, I don't know, GR type stuff. There's one shoe that i picked up uh, recently this year. I don't know if they dropped o- over in the US or not. not. It's like a, um, a Sail Blazer Low with a Paisley Swoosh. Did you see those? Can't remember those. I love these. Just came out only where they dropped, but uh, no, it's not it's not an SB. It's just the. Um, oh, okay. I um I wear these a lot, so it's probably one of my more recent pickups. But uh, yeah, really dig these. Ended up buying another pair recently just to keep for when these when these are done. But uh, yeah, I, I remember looking on like Goat or StockX just to see if there was any interest. And I put the skew in, and the shoe didn't come out. So it made me wonder if, like, it was like a Asia Euro release or whatnot. I don't know. But
0: I wanted to ask you before I forget. I I forgot to ask you about this question because I I bought a pair or two from you during the pandemic, and I know shipping's been a big problem. But I know other things have probably affected you. But before I ask, so just to clarify, there's no like stash of of boxes of ds pairs that you keep like no you don't have like a supreme set of, of dunks that you just you're just stashing in your own size as a personal collection you don't do like, that type of thing.
1: i would probably um i do have the, I have a stash of supreme dunks that are dead stock. But i just i don't not know why. not i mean they're going to be sold eventually they've just never gotten around to posting yeah, yeah. But,
0: but for you what what you own is what you you wear
1: the only shoes i have that are I guess the dead stock that I haven't worn are usually doubles of what I'm wearing. So like, say for example, these, I've got another pair dead stock yeah. that I'll eventually wear. And then I've got like, you know, like say like Ultramarine one eighties. Like that's a hard shoe to keep clean. So I usually have like a dead stock pair just um, so when the current pairs dirty, I've got another pair, but um, I have some um, original Jordan one Chicago's that are dead stock that aren't for sale but i don't wear them you know what i mean so i don't wear them as it's like i don't wear them but they're not for sale but they're they're not worn
0: (laughs) i get it i get it totally do you collect anything else i think i saw some i
1: used to to be be obsessed with uh carmine sixes so i had a um before they got retro i had like a, a size like I had like the toddlers and then the babies and then like size like a size eight and a size nine and a size ten and just I had like six or seven pairs of dead stock Carmine sixes and I even had the pair with the uh the twenty three on the side. I was obsessed with that shoe, but it got to the point where like you get you'd get scared to open the box because you're wondering like what state are they in because they, they're so fragile. So um, I remember just yeah I mean it was, it was a long time ago but I ended up parting with that collection but and prior to coming to Japan I used to collect a lot of Jordans and just keep them like all all in my size and keep them all brand new in the box with no intentions of wearing them but at that time I it, I wasn't aware that shoes fell apart like that's <laughs> like in I'd say like 2003. I was buying, you know, like, and there was only a handful of ones. And there was only, I think, only one pair of twos that existed. And although oh, twos came out of like four, it was like the true blue threes, the black cement threes, um, the white cements and the mockers, like only four pairs of threes exist. You know, it, was, it was easy to be like, all right, I want to have every Jordan one to seven. It was easy to have them back then because there was only a handful of colors that exist in each model. And I used to buy them and keep them all brand new in the box, all size nine, which I was wearing at the time. And then I remember, like my friends, like Jordan Fours, his ninety nine Fours, fall like falling apart on him in I don't know two thousand six or whatever. He was like in a you know like a place with pretty um, you know pretty dry air, so they fell apart on him. And I was just like, what? Like these things fall apart like. I thought like, you know, they were good to go for another twenty plus years and that kinda of like um kinda of put me off on keeping that Jordan collection DS. So I ended up starting like wearing some of them. Yeah, so now yeah, I don't really if I buy any shoe that's brand new, it's to it's because I'm doubling up and it's gonna get worn eventually. Other than like the few pairs of like original Jordans that I have that I don't know what I'll you know, maybe one day I'll put them up for sale, who knows?
0: What about i saw you sent me some pictures you had some decks on the wall you had bare bricks are those kind of things you collect or just more decorative art yeah it's just
1: more to have i mean i have um yeah that was another thing i was really big into buying like um a lot of the supreme decks um i'm actually probably gonna try and put some of these up for sale because i've just got way too many and uh but yeah, that was something that I was also pretty heavy into. So like a lot of like the earlier artist series, like the Peter Seville's and the, and the Z and stuff like that. I did actually put up this set of the, the Peter Seville set up on Instagram a couple of months, of, uh, months ago and I sold that. But yeah, I'm probably going to... Most of it is like stuff that I put up on the walls. And if I don't have a spot for on the wall, I'm probably going to put up for sale.
0: Yeah. Is your family into sneakers? Do you buy them sneakers do you get them sneakers or not so much
1: yeah my wife's got a um, few pairs she's got like the um she likes 97s and, and 95s and she's got some Jordan 1s and Jordan 3s um my kids they just my son just destroys issues <laughs> so like when you, you know I was like so geed up to get him all the stuff I got like infrared 90s um Shout out to Sling on Instagram that hooked me up with a pair of uh, infrared 90s for my for my boy. Uh, I got him like laser blue 90s and um, I got him so much stuff and just he just, you know, just destroyed them and it just kind of like, uh, I was finding like baby size Presto, so much stuff and just, yeah, he just destroyed and I started just buying him Cortez because like they have the Velcro straps, so like, easy for him to put on and off. And, um, yeah, lots of Cortez's and now just kind of like, um, I, it's always Nike that he wears, but it's usually just like the basic models that, um, and they're always black. So, cause I mean, he's like running in dirty parks and whatnot. And I got him a pair of, uh, Janoski, Janoski's and within like two weeks. They looked like he'd, he'd worn them for like a year. And my daughter's just in like vans at the moment. Yeah
0: practicality over style yeah. with kids sometimes yeah. that's how it goes i saw a pair of infrared 90s for my son on a on a great deal today in a size yeah. up and he's nine grade four and i said he's gonna be in grade five is he gonna take care of these not right. a chance so no way he, he's a few years away from that i think and i've learned my lesson but uh, i still buy a few uh, pairs for them once in a while in, and my wife
1: in um, japan um my my son started playing basketball and the um you know there's a big culture with like indoor indoor and outdoor shoes. So when you play basketball in Japan you've got to wear shoes that haven't been worn outdoors. So he has a pair of Jordan fives that he wears when he plays basketball and you know, he keeps them clean because the only time he can wear them is when he's on the basketball court. So he's got a fresh pair of uh, metallic silver fives that he wears on the court but apart from that all his other shoes just get thrashed <laughs>
0: it's interesting you mentioned that because i knew about a little bit about that in terms of the culture in terms of people's homes yeah but, so what you're yeah. seeing is on the basketball yeah. court
1: yeah. Uh, are
0: they kind of checking or making sure is it just part of the culture that you just don't do it
1: it's part of the culture so i mean they're not checking but like when you enter like the facility you take off your shoes that you wore to get there, and then yeah. you gotta put on slippers. Usually, they have slippers at the the, the entrance, or not. Or you just put on your your indoor shoes. Right, right,
0: yeah. My son plays basketball, and I, I wouldn't let him wear the same shoes indoor and outdoor. But you know, if he walks out of the building with um yeah. you know, I, I'm sure it's uh, it's it's definitely a, a different cultural thing. Speaking of the kids, you talked about um, being at home. Right. so you have that responsibility as well as your 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 business right how's that been going
1: um it's good i i probably uh i don't work as much as say i did the last few years i was going pretty hard the last few years i was working like um i mean mornings in japan is like the it's like nighttime in the u s so i'd be like working mornings and nights. I was, yeah, I was going pretty hard the last few years, but uh, now I'm taking it a bit easier and um, spending more time with the family. So yeah, I think I've balanced it out. Yeah, achieved, I mean, one of the goals I wanted was like the the house that I'm in now. So that was kind of like the motivation to work hard. And uh, now that's achieved, so I'm just taking it a bit easier lately. Yeah, absolutely, as you should. How has the
0: pandemic affected business? I know I purchased at least one or two pairs from you and we, you know, you have to use a different shipper. Um, is that the extent of how you've been affected or is it way bigger than that?
1: Yeah, no, there wasn't. The only, there was, was it, uh, when did the pandemic start? Was it was like around February of 2020? Was that when stuff started getting serious? Yeah. I remember I was using like, I mean, until then I'd been using EMS for years And then around, I think it was around March, I was still shipping stuff with EMS, but they just weren't moving. Every day I was getting DMs like, you know, like, man, my shoes haven't arrived. I'm getting tired of waiting, you know. And I was like, look, it's really out of my hands. There's not much I can do. You know, I had like dudes like pulling chargebacks on me and whatnot, even though I'd shipped the shoes. And eventually everything arrived, but um, I had to stop using... I had to stop using EMS and it was just like, a, it was like a month where I had no way to ship overseas and I made a, uh, I made a DHL account, with DHL, and, and then it was smooth sailing. So I think it was around like, maybe like April, around April of 2020, whatever. it was just, it was like a one month where I just couldn't sell anything. And um, I was just taking it easy, just enjoying family time. And then once I made the account with, uh, actually I remember once I made the account with DHL, it was a bunch of stuff that I'd sent with EMS that hadn't, even though I'd sent it like a month or so ago, it was still in Japan and I had to fill out these forms to get them to, uh, pull it, bring them back. So it was like a month where like it was all this stuff that I'd sent that hadn't left Japan. It had been sitting in Japan for like a month or whatnot. And I'd get it sent back and, um, and then I'd repack it, uh, and send it out with DHL. I'd say, like, other than, like, that that one month where I couldn't ship out due to, like, in be- being in between, like, uh, being in between, like, the EMS DHL phase. Apart from that, like, um, I felt like the pandemic almost, like, worked in my favor. I don't know yeah. to say it would work in my favor, but there was definitely, um, it wasn't like people, were, like, stopped shopping, if anything. Like, people were just... I mean, a lot of people were at home with time on their hands. They were shopping online. There was, a, you know, some people were like, they weren't dining out or drinking out. So they had extra money to spend. But there again, there was people that were like losing jobs and didn't have the money to spend. So it kind of went both ways. But um, I didn't notice like a, a decrease in like sales or anything like that.
0: Were you able to source
1: Sneakers? yeah no nothing, nothing. those are those are, those would be the the occasion where like a lot of people in Japan might have been getting rid of their stuff, and um yeah, I was able to sell sneakers so that
0: that part of it finding it you didn't have to kind of dip into the sort of sort of stash that you have there of things that maybe you didn't want to sell your your inventory
1: yeah i mean' no to remember yeah okay
0: you mentioned that you recently moved and for yeah. any sneaker collector big or small that's never fun and living in Tokyo I imagine real estate is expensive so do your sneakers that you sell that your inventory they come with you or do they have a separate storage space?
1: Um, Everything's in my house I tried to um, I tried my best to um, not buy sneakers before the move and just try and focus on trying to move some of the stuff that hasn't sold yet or get around to posting stuff that I haven't got around to posting. But, um, I mean, one of the fun parts of this is the hunt, you know what I mean? Like I enjoy looking for deals. So sometimes it's, you say to yourself, all right, I'm going to go like a month without buying anything to just try and, uh, concentrate on trying to get as, you know, as less stuff in the house before the move. But, uh, it's easier said than done
0: <laughs> yeah moving is always stressful difficult right. but the sneakers they make it harder right
1: right so um and, and the skateboards as well like i and when you put them all together you don't realize how much you know like prior to that you know when you have like your personal like my personal person in the closet and then i had like pairs you know like majority of my inventory in my office and then I had like another room in the house where I put like some other pairs I was like sitting on when you put all that into one area you're like holy shit like this is this is a lot of sneakers a lot of space and a lot of money worth of stuff and even same with the skateboards when I I took the skateboards that I had off the walls. And put it together with the stuff that wasn't on the walls. And I just realized that's so many skateboards. <laughs> did you have a strategy? Did you keep them separate? I know I moved a few
0: years ago and all my sneakers, it was a total separate moving process. It was only me. No, no one else was involved. I needed to have full control. I needed to keep my eyes on everything. Luckily, I was able to move in a number of days. So it wasn't that stressful. Did you have a strategy or did you just yeah. throw it in with everything else?
1: Very similar strategy. So uh, when I was in, uh, in Australia, still at my parents' place, I remember my parents moved and one pair of – I had a pair of – for some reason I was sitting on a pair of flash, uh, the Dunk SB flashes, orange flash, flash orange, whatever you call them, and they went missing. And it was the, uh, the only – like everything I was sitting on in Australia back then was like a size 9 to 10 – or maybe like the odd eight and a half. And that the flash flashdown was a size 11. It was pretty much the only size 11 I had. And, you know, they went missing. And I kind of, to this day, I always wonder if like one of the people just saw like a size 11, was like, oh, this is my size and help themselves. So I'll never know. To this day, I'll never know. But I know that they went missing. So having dealt with that, I've always been paranoid when like moving my sneakers. So um, I asked one of my friends to help me and, we did the house, we did the move on Monday. I asked my friend if he could help me on Saturday to just do my my like my sneakers and skateboards and some of the art that I have. So he helped me out to do that on Saturday and that gave me like Saturday and Sunday to organize my sneakers and then on Monday was when we did, you know, the move with like moving the beds and sofas and fridges and stuff like that. So yeah, I like I kept it separate and also it did help um bring down the costs of the, the moving companies because I you know handled a lot of the, the work beforehand.
0: Yeah, I think that's the advice for anyone is keep them in your own hands, do the yeah. work yourself, even if it's backbreaking and it takes forever. The one thing that I learned was of course that I have too much. You seem to have quite control of your personal collection. Your inventory is another story, but you can't complain and and, and no one no one could really complain about having inventory. It's it's business, right?
1: Right. But um also yeah if you do your sneakers before the move, it gives you a little bit of time to uh organize things before you have to do all the other stuff.
0: And you could also sort of be there Right. Or your partner or your family because moving is a very emotional and stressful right. time so if you're worried about your sneakers right at one end it's like you don't care about your couch you don't care right. about anything else it's, it's crazy the stuff
1: that, um, that we threw out that you know stuff that could have been thrown out four or five years ago that you just you hold on to and then you throw it out when you move house and you think like like I had uh, say for example, curtains from my previous house <laughs> so not this house and not the house before that but the house before that like under the bed and they would have been under the bed for like the whole five years that I was at the previous house I was Like, why do we have these curtains under the bed all this time you know what I mean, like stuff like that you know you're not throwing out a lot of crap that you probably never would have gotten around to throwing out until you have to throw it out because you're moving
0: a great time to take inventory of everything right right very cool
1: that that uh that that house empty i just what a um yeah crazy to see like a house that you've lived in like completely empty
0: yeah well from the pictures you shared with me it looks like you moved into a beautiful new home and Mm -hmm. obviously you've worked hard for it so congratulations Mm -hmm. and uh and uh thanks for coming on the podcast it was great talking to you great getting to know you and uh, i'm sure my listeners will really enjoy this and learning a little bit more i know they'll they'll follow you and and most of them have probably done business with you but to get a little bit more insight into uh your business and and where you came from and and how how you got here has been really good so thank you so much for sharing
1: right, thank you thank you for having me and um i hope it wasn't too boring <laughs>
0: <laughs> not at all Big thanks to Chris for coming on the podcast. You can find him at Gusto De ninja on IG. That's G-U-S-T-O-D-A-N-I-N-J-A. You can find me at Heads Ain't Ready. You can find Sneaker Dads on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, as well as at SneakerDads.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Later.